Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Well, you know, it's great to see the uh, 90s on 94KX go so well. It was universally applauded. And then you had to get feedback from a certain segment of the of the building. I feel like you're still hurt by it. Uh, I'm shaking it off. <laughs> the overall grand scheme of things could be a lot worse, but yeah, but yeah, you just want you just hope everybody is just all dialed in one common goal as we move forward team building move, you, know, you know I move forward <laughs> <laughs> I move forward. <laughs> These are all, you know, you know, it's interesting. These are all true stories. I mean, we do, I mean, do our, okay. You're as honest as the driven snow. All right. Have we ever embellished one? <laughs> Who, a us? story here? <laughs> I, mean, I mean, have we ever embellished these? <laughs> no, they're pretty, they're pretty straightforward. Yeah. All right. The, the Chudder so, st- story is true. We're sticking to it. He's all happy we're short of the. Actually, you came up with a great idea. We were in commercial break last hour. You came up with a great idea that we should, uh, that I should attempt to uh, pull off in May the next time we're at the at the Purdy tournament. Yeah, we'll so keep we'll, it to ourselves. We'll leave it at that. Yeah, have some we'll fun. We'll keep with it to it. ourselves. It can only oh, yeah. solidify our point. Yes. <laughs> not that I, we I believe, not that we need to do that, but <laughs> I think I think we'll find. Uh, the results that we think will happen. All right. Uh, <laughs> we'll leave it at that. Time now for our play-by-play call of the day. The Celtics win in Denver. Kyrie will get a little ahead of steam. Into the front court. On the by Harris. Goes to Horford left side. Horford right hand dribble around. Jokic kick to the corner. Jalen Brown open. Gets the three. It circled the rim. Kissed off the window. Fell right back down the middle. You said Jalen Brown's been quiet tonight. Not when it mattered most. Rebound Denver. They're not calling a timeout. Two seconds to go. Barton across half court. Launches the three for the win. It's tapped in, but it came too late. It was laid in at the cup after the buzzer. Sean Graham with a call on WBZ as Jalen Brown hits a game-winning three-pointer late, and the Celtics hold on to beat the Nuggets 111-110 last night at the Pepsi Center in Denver. And this the 50th uh, year of the uh, Denver Nuggets. The Denver Nuggets began as a franchise, actually, as the Denver Rockets. And they changed to the Nuggets 
because they knew they were going into the NBA, and you already had the Houston Rockets, who, by the way, began as the San Diego Rockets. I know. I have a lot of useless information. San Diego Rockets. Man. Yep. That sounds cool. They were the San Diego Rockets, and then they went to Houston and became the Houston Rockets. All right. Let's bring Neil Coolong in now. Neil, no Steeler game to talk about. What do we talk about? Draft season. That happens a lot. You know, <laughs> that the regular season ends for most people. The playoff ends for pretty much everybody else. And, and uh, collectively, everybody dives into the draft. It's, uh, it's a good time to have it all happen. You know, it's, it's a kind of a refreshing, exciting start to, to something else, something that we all enjoy doing, right? What, what, yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> what, what do you think more about playing, obviously? Do you lock in a little bit on the Super Bowl, or do you think more about the draft? It's kind of a little bit of both. I mean, I, I, there, there's something fun for me, at least, about the Super Bowl. I, I kind of like the, the culture that goes along with it, the pomp and circumstance. I know how cheesy it is, but um, you get a lot of, like, the, the old Super Bowl matchups that we played on NFL Network, and, you know, there, there's over-analysis, but it, there's also a ton of time and a ton of media uh, in Minneapolis right now that did really flesh out a, a lot of cool feature, you know, human interest types of stories. Those types of things I enjoy watching. It's a lot more than the game. It really is kind of just a, a celebration of the sport itself, where it's going, and, and you know what we might not know about it. You get a lot more of that, I think, over the, the next the two weeks before uh, the Super Bowl than you will most other times of the year. Otherwise, uh, for me, it, it really is diving into the draft for the first time. You know, it, it's not going all in. Usually, I wait for you know hopefully a do two weeks or so before the combine to, to get familiar with people but it's it's fun to look at highlights and kind of you know see a lot of the players we were just talking about Barkley and my god you, you could watch 10 games of that guy and come up with four or five different plays that, that just amazed you that you didn't even notice before so it, finding several players like that, it, that that's always probably the part I enjoy I did years of broadcasting his games I can tell you right now he gave me a highlight reel, <laughs> so it was it was fun to announce what he was doing. Uh, he's going to be something special. He's he better be a top three pick. I wouldn't be surprised. He's first or second even, and he's going to be a phenomenal player for a long time in the NFL, barring uh, barring injuries, of course. Knock on wood, but right. yeah, he he really is something special. I, I see a lot more in him than I saw in Fournette and Elliott, and that both well, of those two. Like, wow, these guys are ascendant runners. Uh, better receiver than the guys that you mentioned, Elliott or Fournette, because he runs routes like Le'Veon Bell does. I think Bell's the best route running running back I've seen in the NFL in years. Uh, Barkley does that. Barkley also picks up the blitz. He blocked or the maturation he had in college to get himself to that point. But he's, really? he's, he's if, pretty bleep. If, if I was Barkley's going into last year, what would tell him? After showing a highlight reel of, of the, the running that he does in the open field, yes, you're probably a first round talent alone right now. This year, what I want you to focus on is pass protection. If you show you five six, do you want to do that? Because in doing that, you're going to be a, a complete back who can do anything all over the field. You're going to be Le'Veon Bell, just bigger, and you probably should as well. And I, I really think that's the level for him. And, and unfortunately, I think you know maybe the Browns have a shot at him, which uh, which wouldn't be fun for the Steelers. But he really is just a remarkable prospect. You, you, you don't see too many like him. No, it's a single play, Neil. But if you get a chance to let Penn State wins it on the touchdown pass from Trace McSorley to Juwan Johnson, watch that play because Josie Jewell, who's a good player who's going to be an NFL linebacker, blitzes. And Barkley in the hole, boom. 
I, I did see that. That's yeah. one of my favorite plays of the year. In fact, I just he, he stood him up. He, he flat out knocked him on his butt. And oh, that against, I, I agree with you, an NFL level prospect. Um, it really just shows that he's focused. He's determined. He's got the physicality to be able to play. Um, every down at the next level. I, I think he will right away. He's going to be a top three pick, and he's going to get probably 200 touches next year. Great locker room guy, too. I mean, he'll go in there and everybody will be like, hey, you know, they'll really, whatever team gets him, they'll think the world of him. Uh, have you ever been to Pro Bowl Media Day? Um, I have not. I have not. <laughs> I've been to one. Uh, I went to the uh, Broncos Seahawks uh, at the Prudential Center in Newark. And. It is an interesting experience, Neil. Uh, I've obviously the, a series of legit questions and questions that need to be asked and so forth. And then you also have Bizarro World in there for a period of time. I mean, Tom Brady's wearing a hat like. <laughs> I saw that. It's uh, it, it's kind of like a conglomeration of serious media with kind of the jokesters. And it always make me kind of wonder, do, do the media brawl? I mean, are, are they fighting for position like they often do around a guy like Tom Brady? Guys, you know, kind of pushing their way in to ask the joke questions or, you know, even players kind of making a joke out of the whole thing. You, you get a you get a whole lot of everything. And this year it, it seemed to be a little bit more calm um, than, than it has in the past. And I, I think a lot of that might be just, you know, the, the NFL reigned it in a little bit more. Um, it, 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 probably more than anything along with that, you've got two teams that, you know, have a, a, a reputation for being, you know, locked in a, 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 with disciplined coaches. They know that teamwork is really what's gotten them there to that point. They, they might be beaten more talented teams to jar. So I think that with that, they're, they're not going to mess out a lot. And it kind of takes away a little bit of the, the fun, I guess. But, you know, nobody's, uh, nobody's paying them to be funny or, or charismatic. It's just kind of a little bit different. Well, for one hour, most of them hate it. So it's. <laughs> I mean, I'm talking about the players. For the moment, like, oh, you got to be kidding me. Now, for example, I'll give you a good example of somebody I think probably enjoyed it, and that was probably Malcolm Jenkins, because it gave him a plat talk about all the serious issues that he's dealing with uh, in the inner city of Philadelphia and how he's dealt with them. I think I think he probably relished it more than everybody else. Yeah. On top of that, the, the flip side of it is, it's amazing how many illnesses you hear about leading into the, the media day you know it, 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 it they don't mispractice with illness all that often but it does happen especially with the veterans but there's three or four guys like oh he's sick he's not going to be able to go up there we're, we're not going to have uh, who was it Devin McCourty maybe yes uh, well, one of the defensive backs and said he was replaced by Patrick Chung it's like the media have talked to Patrick Chung I don't know how <laughs> it's pretty much the only you know he's, he's one of the more nondescript you know quality solid veteran players in the NFL but media day he's like the king you know he, it's almost like the uh, the alternate pro bowl replacement you know the, the guy that gets in the pro bowl every single year because there isn't anybody else you know it, it's uh it, that struck me as funny but yes to your point jenkins certainly is a uh, an advocate for change and, and has been a lot of the stuff that he's doing that you know at this point in his career is pretty remarkable for that all right so what do you think about the game the matchup you know you always look at matchups so you know where does philadelphia have favorable matchups where do the patriots have favorable matchups I, I really, for for me, I really think it, it's going to come down to the trenches. I just think that Philadelphia's a better team um, along their offensive line versus the Patriots' defense, and, and vice versa. Um, it, the game is won and lost in the trenches if you really get down to it. You know, fundamental old school football comes down to blocking and tackling, and I really think that the Eagles have an advantage on on uh, both of those accounts. I mean, Jim Schwartz has done a phenomenal job 
uh, with the Eagles' defense this season uh, compared to where they were last year. They, they get after it. They're aggressive. They're very confident. More than anything, they're, they're unified. They're together. They play like a team. Um, not saying the Patriots don't do that. I just don't think the Patriots defensively have the, the horses um, that they have in the past. You know, we, we talked about that a bit last week. Um, it, Philadelphia, to me, just matches up better in that regard. It's really going to come down to what, um, you know, Bill Belichick is going to be able, and Matt Patricia is going to be able to cook up uh, to stop Nick Foles. And with Nick Foles, you don't know what you're going to get. I mean, really, you know, I, I used to call Joe, Joe Flacco the most bipolar quarterback in the NFL. You might get a, a 150 rating from him one week with a 12 rating the next week. <laughs> Foles, I think, takes care of that. You know, the dominant performance he put on the Vikings. Um, an incredible job. I mean, he, he, without question, the, the best game, in my opinion, uh, for, for a passer in these playoffs. And it, it's a pretty remarkable job. And I think a lot of that, you have to credit Doug Peterson as well for, for the job that he's done uh, two years with Alcia. I mean, really, you don't have coaches that, that you know take a team at the depths that they were to where they are right now, even with you know a, a project quarterback like Lent, who outperformed you know way above and beyond. <clears throat> you know, it, it's uh, it, they've, they've done a great job um, putting everybody together, putting the pieces in place, and that's why I think they're able to win with a guy like Bowles. I, I really think, you know, it, the Patriots are the favorite team, and to, to that extent, I can understand why they are, but I think Philadelphia's going to give them a game, if not win outright. Right. I, I agree with you. Uh, Pro Football Hall of Fame. Uh, in fact, I'm going to be talking, believe it or not, to Jerry Kramer coming up at the end of this week. Uh, I'd love to see him get in, as a matter of fact. Uh, I'll just throw out the name, and uh, I'll go through each one of these quickly, whether you think they should be seriously considered or not. Uh, okay. Steve Atwater. No. Okay. Rondé Barber. No. Tony Baselli. Yes. Yep. Agree there. Uh, I, I agree so far with all of yours. Isaac Bruce. Ooh, that's tough. Um, yeah. I think he will get in at some point. I don't think this is the year for him. Leroy Butler. No. Right. Uh, Don Coryell. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, See, this is hard because yeah, you only get five. Yeah, exactly. It, 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 it really stacks up with everybody else. I mean, all these guys, I, to, to some degree, I'd put in. But Coryell, um, you got to get him in at some point. Yeah. I, I don't necessarily think this is the strongest class you've ever seen, but it's pretty yeah. good. Uh, certainly at the top, so I, I would say no right now. Here comes a really interesting one, Roger Craig. Roger Craig, oh boy, uh, Jerome Bettis really threw a wrench in a lot of this. I know um, he did. I know he did. For for his time period, um, gosh, you, you've got to get him in at some point. Yeah, he's you put Terrell uh, Davis in. I think Craig's got to get in. I mean, in his area, he's the best all around back. Yeah, yeah, best all around. Something that didn't it, yeah. it didn't exist as much. Yeah. It wasn't as commonplace. You know, it's yeah. kind of almost like a this argument probably ten years down the line about Heinz Ward. <laughs> right, you know, exactly. A player that it, it's tough to put him in based on individual merit in comparison to his peers, but he wasn't doing what his peers were doing. Right. He was asked a lot more. Um, I, I would say now, just you know, where things are going, probably not. But it really should be a name they ramp yeah. up soon. Brian Dawkins. Uh, no. Alan Fanica. Big nasty. Um, I, I I love offensive line, and I hate seeing them wait just because they're offensive line. I know. Um, but based on that, a lot of great guards waited a while. I'd, I'd probably have yeah. to say no. Tory Holt. Holt is the exception to Bruce. I would put in Holt yeah. barely 
barely ahead of Bruce. Okay. So it, maybe not now, but Holt's right. got a very slim advantage over Bruce. Steve Hutchinson. See, Hutchinson and Fanica are the two that yeah. you have to look at. They're, they're really going to redefine. They, they really redefined what the guard position was. You know, in, in terms of contract, um, the, the dollars that went with those positions, Hutchinson was the first one, the, the yeah. poison pill guy. Yep. Um, I think for, for me, and I'm biased, I think Fanica was better for yeah. longer. Um, but Hutchinson, they're, they're neck and neck. I mean, I, I think both of them need to be in there. It's just not going to be now. Joe Jacoby. Jacoby's waited a while. He sure um, has. It's been a semifinal state time. Probably. It, 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 if, if we're looking just at offensive linemen, putting them all in a group, which we shouldn't do, but right. if, if one offensive lineman should go in yeah. outside of Baselli, Baselli, yeah. Baselli was just better than everybody else, uh, Jacoby would be my guy there. Edger and James. I don't know why people don't bang the gong for him more. Yeah. I, I really don't. I, I think he should be in already. I mean, yeah. there, there are very few complete backs like James was for an extended period of time over his career. I mean, he was a nightmare. You just didn't hear about him because that was kind of the the, the rise of the super freak quarterback in the passing yeah. game. You know, Manning and, and Harris would get all the attention, but James, James got he averaged like fifteen thousand yards uh-huh. or like fifteen hundred yards a, a season for a good stretch of time there. Uh-huh. I mean, he was he was a very underrated player in that offense. I I put him in. Jimmy Johnson. Oh uh, no. All right. Let's see. Ty Law. Ty Law, wow, that's that's a that's a great one. Um I I definitely put him in over Barber. Uh-huh. Um you have to factor in yeah. Charles Woodson, he's kind of the, the you yeah. know the real dynamic guy yeah. that's, that's gonna set the tone for those kinds of cornerbacks. Champ Bailey's gonna be among that as well. Yeah. Darrell Revis eventually. Um probably not yet for Law, but I, I think yeah. his case should be pretty strong coming up too. John Lynch. Uh no. Kevin Mawai. Kevin Why not yet. Not yet. He's not right. Hutchinson or Fanica, yeah. but I, I think he deserves yeah. a, a look. Good, well I mean, good pulling center. I mean, yeah. I mean you know. Yeah. Carl Mecklenburg. Um, no. Okay. Randy Moss. Yes. Leslie O'Neill. No. Simeon Rice. Simeon Rice. That's a great argument. Um, he seems more like a veteran committee kind of guy. Um, yeah. Those guys typically, it's going to be a couple decades. But Rice was Rice was just evolutionary player. I mean, he was he was mm-hmm. such a, a one of the the more rare uh, upbringings and, and enterings into the NFL. He could have been just an absolute beast. It, you know, he he was just way ahead of his time. You know, he, he was an evolutionary player. I think he would have been a Hall of Fame if he played in today's game. Yeah. Um, for now, I don't I don't think he gets in. But he's definitely a great great argument. Richard Seymour. Um, no, not yet. Not yet, but okay. I'd I put him on, on a, a good list as well. Brian Urlacher. Urlacher, yes. Everson Walls. Uh, no. Heinz Ward. No. Oh, did I leave anybody not out? Yet. Oh, I'm trying to think. Did I leave somebody out? Oh, wait, there's one left. Terrell Owens. <laughs> I was waiting for that. Um, <laughs> I knew you were waiting for it. That's why I saved it to number 25. <laughs> I believe he belongs in the Hall of Fame. I also think it, it, their numbers are so similar, it's scary. It's just weird to look at the two and not think that I, I'm being biased in some way. But Randy Moss was a, a transcendent player. Randy yes. Moss changed the game. Owens did the, the routine, traditional stuff. He did it very, very well. I mean, we didn't see a whole lot of receivers as big as he was. Um, that they could move as well in, in the open field as him. 
But Moss, basically, Moss created the back shoulder throw. Um, he allowed weak arm quarterbacks to have big weapons down the field. He, he improved uh, pretty much every team that he tried for, at least to, to a high degree. Um, probably the best rookie season in the NFL that we've ever seen. Um, it, for me, I think Moss just did more to, to, to merit first ballot consideration. Yes. Outside of that, I don't, especially for the wide receiver, and we're going to see this bottleneck get way bigger over the next 10 years. Yeah. Uh, for me, I don't think there's going to be a real difference between second and fifth ballot after a while. There's just a lot of guys that need to get in, and they're not going to have an entire class of receivers. You know? right. So for me, I, I, I put Moss in first ballot because I think Moss earned first ballot. I don't think Terrell Owens is first ballot. I, I laugh at anybody who argues that Chris Carter was first ballot. Right. If, if Chris Carter had to wait, I see no reason why you know Terrell Owens shouldn't wait either. That's just me. Okay. And the but I, I think putting them both in is probably the better thing to do. Moss deserves kind of the, the higher billing of that. Yeah. Uh, but both of them definitely belong in the Hall of Fame. And uh, by the way, the contributor, Bobby Bethard, and then uh, along with Robert Brazil and Jerry Kramer. So, all right. Uh, Kramer, I would put in. So would I. I mean, like I said, I'm talking I, to I him. I think he will. I'm talking to him before the week is out. I'm really anxious to talk to him because he's about as articulate a spokesman for, the, for that era as anybody yep. you could possibly talk with. I'm, I'm anxious to talk with him. So, all right. That was fun. I think we were great on all of them. So, and that's just, I don't that, think I don't think we're going to have any surprises in this class. That, that, that should scare no, but it should scare the daylights out of you. All right, so <laughs> 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 thanks, Neil. Appreciate it. Look forward to talking next week if you get a chance. Definitely. Thanks for talking. Neil Kulong, USA Today. We'll come back with more in a moment here on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. The Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Humble's Wharfs. Great to have you with us today. Uh, Tom Brady did the, uh, a really classy thing last night when he was asked about the WEEI evening host who had made a disparaging remark about his daughter Vivian. And he said, no, nah, he shouldn't be fired. You know what? I like that response. I think it was the right response. You don't want you don't want to root for people to be fired. No matter how negative they are around you all the time. You'd agree with that, wouldn't you? I would wholeheartedly, yes. <laughs> I saw what you did with that. <laughs> Not funny. I've been fired. What? Huh? What? <laughs> uh, what? <laughs> huh? Hold on a second. What? When was, when was that? Huh? <laughs> Fake news? Huh? What? <laughs> We're a sophisticated show. We believe in faux. We believe in faux news. <laughs> We're just far more sophisticated. Uh, so you'll get a kick out of this. I'm, I'm during the break. I'm, I'm getting some text messages from the uh, media publicist as we put a bow on Jerry Kramer's appearance for later yeah. this week. Yeah. How about this? He goes. Uh, he goes. Will Jack Ham be with Steve on Friday? How cool would have that been? Wow, that's cool. That would have been cool. Wow. Yeah, it would have been cool. I guess he thought it was Steve and Jack afternoons on WKOK. 
Now you're planning ideas with Roger. Now <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, we'll get Jack on here at some point. Is sure. Jordy Dev Jack on yet? But yeah, I I think Jerry would love to talk to Jack. I also think they both should be sharing gold jackets, but that's another time. Hopefully, we'll find out this weekend. I mean, it's his last chance. Oh boy. I love those videos that the NFL started doing here with, I think probably only within the last maybe, what, five or so years? Close to less than ten? Where you see David Baker knock on the hotel room doors of all the people. Oh, that yeah. That's, that's, that's yeah, what cool. You that, get that little inside glimpse. Really cool. And that first reaction you get from the uh, newest so. members of the hall when they open up the door and see him. And, and that's when Mr. Baker doesn't have to say a word. No, that's right. That's, I, I like the documentaries of football life. I like the I like timeline. But you know what's interesting? I still have not seen timeline of the 50th anniversary of the Ice Bowl yet. I really want to see it, but I think it didn't air when I was at the Fiesta Bowl or something like that. I think it did. The I think it was maybe the last Friday in December it ran. I believe. Yeah, and you know what? And the reason I missed it is that we were at a Fiesta Bowl event uh, with Learfield. And Jack and I had to go to that. I really wanted to see that. And, of course, you know, <laughs> the odds of me being able to DVR it are <laughs> extreme. So I'll have to wait until it comes back up again at some point. Yeah, speaking of NFL Network, it's always cool. The weekend before the Super Bowl, when they start running those 30, 60-minute Super Bowl highlight shows, they just do that huge... 24-plus hour after the Senior Bowl is done, they just go into that 24-plus hour marathon of all the Super Bowl highlights and run them in order. Suddenly, the old master was betrayed by his aging ob. (laughs) 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 And, of course, the music is what? uh, Drunken Sailor? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, well. Uh, well. Maybe some music like this. Ham is graceful, intelligent. Lambert, brute force. Andy Russell, intelligent. Joe Green, mean. Mike Wagner, Instinctive. Mel Blunt, the best. They call it the Steel Curtain. In Pittsburgh, they call it a championship. At 3.9 yards a carry, Jerome <laughs> Bettis. <laughs> <laughs> Steve Suits running down the hall now. <laughs> On a 3.9 oh, yeah. clip. <laughs> well, that's about average, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> See, uh, I, I look at a guy like Roger Craig, and I think Roger Craig should have been in before Jerome Bettis. I mean, Roger Craig did everything. Yeah, Neil Kulong said it right. I mean, what Roger Craig did at that time. Yeah. Just the way the yeah. NFL was back in the 80s and what he was able to give back to that team. One year, Roger Craig had 1,000 yards rushing and 1,000 yards receiving. One year, Jerome Bettis had 1,000 carries. 
Wow. His name is Labadi. <laughs> he stands for discipline. He stands for courage, grit, and championships. We had live all sorts of crazy stuff here. All right, so <laughs> not rehearsed. <laughs> no, it wasn't. At three point nine yards a carry, he was <laughs> celebrated in Pittsburgh, <laughs> while other cities celebrated five and six yards a carry. <laughs> Whatever it takes, it got it done. <laughs> but hey, numbers say, don't I only, lie. <laughs> I, I, I only say that because the suit was vehement for years oh, about him. Drove being, I mean, him I'm up, talking, yeah, it drove him up a wall, and it still right. does. So I would just have fun with him and go, "Hey, wait a minute, because yeah, I think, do I think Jerome Bettis should be in the Hall of Fame? Of course, I think he should be in the Hall of Fame. Okay, right. of course I do. He's a Hall of Fame player, but he was so off the rails." <laughs> Then I figured, well, let's have a little bit of fun with this and see how far off the rails he'll go. <laughs> <laughs> little did you know, you're still having fun with it. <laughs> still having a good time with it. And I can hear it up. It's okay. He's got a jacket. I've got a jacket. <laughs> yeah, but a blue one. <laughs> Didn't say what color it was. <laughs> the uh, I was talking earlier about the transfer rule. you got to think about, any, with any rule... You always have to think about the pros, the benefits. And you can see the benefits of the proposal. And it's only a proposal. There's no caveats in there. Uh, is there a great point average that you have to reach or not? Uh, so when you look at any proposal, what are the pros to the proposal? But what's also important is that when you're done looking at the pros to any proposal, now you have to look at the cons, and better yet, what are the unintended consequences? How many times have we seen a rule put into play, whether it's a college rule, a game rule, something, where suddenly you're like, wow, I didn't think of that happening. That's an unintended consequence. So you have to really examine what are the unintended consequences of the transfer rule. Now, we know what the pros are. The pros are a lot of players do sign with a coach. Coach does leave. Player probably would love to stay with coach if possible. New coach comes in. New coach doesn't run system that I play. What do I do? Well, under this rule, I'm no longer a hostage. I not only can transfer, I can play right away. Okay, so those are some of the pros. Well, the cons are, all right, I've talked about this on a football realm. Let's do this in basketball. Uh, said coach leaves Texas and takes a job at Vanderbilt. What is to keep his five starters, who are all underclassmen, from going with him to Vanderbilt? What? Of the fact they are, and say they had five openings. What is to keep that coach from taking all five starters with him? The coach hasn't been fired. The coach has elected to leave for what 
he he believes is a better deal someplace else. So again, we've talked about what the pros are. Here are the pros. The pros for the student athlete would be you're able to transfer. You can go someplace that you feel better about, more comfortable. You may be able to follow your existing coach because you know that really is the person that got you on the path that you wanted to be on, and you go from there. The pros are also, for example, in a football realm, being a Ryan Mallett at Michigan, having a Rich Rodriguez come in who doesn't even remotely run the style of, that you play. I mean, Ryan Mallett wasn't an option quarterback. He was a pocket quarterback. So he had to transfer to Arkansas, and he sat out of here. So those are the pros. Now what are the cons? The con, One of the, the things that you have to consider, again, is you're a coach. You, they, you know, you go wherever they pay the buyout for you. So you go from Texas to Vanderbilt because they offered you a pile of money. You go there, and what is what keeps you now at this point from taking five starters with you if you have five openings on the roster? Now here's the next part. Let's go to an extreme. Let's give you a football example. In football, what is to keep Suddenly, uh, a coach leaves, and we know Jimbo took the. You know, Jimbo's in this boat. He he left Florida State, was not fired, and went to Texas A and M. What is to keep Jimbo from? Um, let's just use some round numbers here. Say ten ten players go from Florida State to Texas A and M with him, and twenty others are like, "I'm getting out of here," and they spread out all over the country. Do you have a contingency rule in place for now? Willie Taggart's now the coach. Do you have a contingency rule in place that then says, "Okay, hold on a second here, right?" He's only going to hand up with seventy-two scholarship players through no making of his own. Again, we know what the pros are, but you do need to discuss the consequences and whether the consequences are enough to make you change the rule or whether the consequences are not enough for you to change the rule and you move forward. You just have to talk about it. Cindy and Shemokin Dam, hello. How are you today? Good afternoon. How are you today? I'm great. Listen, oh, I'm great, I, too. I don't it's quite to hear follow you. here. So we have yeah. a coach, and the coach is making millions of dollars a year. Right. Millions. And he can move to a new right. place. Yep. But a player who, in theory... I'm going to be generous. Let's say that their package has a value of $30,000 a year, tuition, room, and board. Sure, fair, and cost cost of attendance and food. Yeah, that's fair. And they're trapped to stay. They're bound to stay. But the person making millions of dollars can hippity-hop all over the countryside. And you've just outlined you've just outlined all the pros as to why a student athlete should be able to transfer. Now they can all transfer, Cindy. Now, but they have to sit out of here. This proposal would the, allow them to. They, this proposal would allow them to play right away. That right. is the change in the proposal. So that's the pro to the student athlete right there. Well, what about for the student athlete? Let's say um, I know there are not many football players majoring in nursing, but that was my degree. So let's say that you're going to go to Penn State, but Penn State decides because of low enrollment to do away with their nursing program. This is not true. I'm just making speculation. Right. I understand. Now the student is trapped there by this 
contract, quote-unquote, with the mm-hmm. university to play football, but they can't get their credential. Right. And I'm sure that can happen in other programs that they go there for. You know, I mean, they're not there. <laughs> Call this blasphemy. They're not there to play football. Right. Basketball, hockey, soccer, gymnastics, yada, yada, yada. They're supposed to be getting an education. So right. what if the education goes south on them? Shouldn't they be allowed to go someplace and right. finish their degree right. without and being see, punished? Right, and all I'm saying is before you enact the rule, just go through all the unintended consequences of that. Well, I think and that's, that's and if if you go through the unintended consequences and say no, nope, I still think it's the right thing to do, then you do it. Yeah, but I, if you I go through the unintended consequences, do you make an adjustment in the rule here and there? Now, what those adjustments are, I don't know, but you sometimes outline the most extreme scenario, and then you ask your, you know, for example, Jimbo goes to Texas A and M. Mm-hmm. Do 15 Florida State players follow him? Sure. Uh, what if the Florida State program, because you're only allowed to have 25 scholarships, do you now adjust the scholarship limit for a program that loses X players on transfer or not? Those are different things they need to discuss to make sure that everybody's on the same page. I see. I see what you're saying. I just don't think it's fair why would the kids they're not kids these are men these are adults Mm -hmm. in our country and these are two different groups of adults and a big difference in how they're being treated and I just don't think that's right okay thanks and over the years Cindy there's no question the pendulum let's go back I don't know 10 20 years ago minimum has always been with the school and the coach now the pendulum has swung much, much further toward the student-athlete. So just want to make sure that uh, along the way that there is a balance between program and student-athlete somewhere in there where the pendulum can sit as close to the middle as possible. That way the student-athlete has X amount of rights and the school and the program has X amount of rights. Now where that balance is and how you adjust a rule to make sure that there is at least some semblance of balance and not the Wild West is something I think is worthy of discussion. And then after that, I'll announce whomever's in front of me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, thanks. Thank you, Cindy. She makes very, very good points. Very good point. And again, you know, you know, you have coaches that have the ability to move. She's absolutely right. Why can't players also move? She's absolutely right. That's why I outlined the example of Ryan Mallett. Well, the coach that recruited him, Ryan Mallett, Lloyd Carr to play at Michigan, retired. And they brought in Rich Rodriguez. Well, Ryan Mallett's a drop-back quarterback. Rich Rich Rodriguez is a guy that coaches option quarterbacks. So Ryan Mallett's not going to be his quarterback. So Ryan Mallett wanted to transfer to Arkansas. He said, but why do I have to sit out of the year? It's not my fault. And that's exactly the point, uh, graphically, that Cindy was bringing up. We will come back with more in a moment as we continue on News Radio 1070 WKOK, brought to you by our good friends at Sunbury Motors.
Hey, we're coming to you from the lot at Sunbury Motors Kia on the Strip in Almost Wharf. We had to stop because up on their sign, it says 0% financing for 75 months. We had to check it out ourselves. I mean, it can't be right, but it is. Your interest rate will stay at 0% for 75 months. That's over six years. This incredible deal is on 2018 Kia Fortes, Optimus, Sportages, and Serranos. There's also no payments for three months. Now that's the best value you're going to find anywhere. Plus, every Kia offers the industry-leading 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain warranty. And they have the highest-ranked large car company. Car, small SUV, mid-sized SUV, and compact multi-purpose vehicle in initial quality, according to JD Power. The sign is true. Zero percent financing for up to 75 months. Come on, honk if you love it too. We'll see you here at Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 to 15 in Hubble's Wharf, and online at sunburymotorskia.com. Warranty is a limited powertrain. Warranty for details. Your retailer go to kia.com. JD Power award information. Visit jdpower.com. It's a dealer for details. Is going to be in East Lansing, and it's going to be another very emotional day in Central Michigan tomorrow. And here's the reason why. I don't think a lot of people realize this. Last week, of course, Larry Nassar was sentenced in uh, in court in Lansing. Lansing is in Ingram County. And you have, what, between 150 and 200 uh, witnesses get up at the sentencing hearing and face him down. Well, what people don't realize is there's also a second one, and it's the neighboring county, Eaton County. Well, that's where the Twist Stars camp happens to be, which Nassar was affiliated with. And tomorrow in Eaton County Court, 57 victims and survivors will be able to deliver their witness impact statements tomorrow, their victim impact statements. So that's happening tomorrow there. So tomorrow's show is in East Lansing tomorrow. That makes sense that tomorrow's show would be tomorrow. Tomorrow's show is in East Lansing. Like I said, I'll probably be able to get a a better overall read on things on Thursday's show. But we'll see. I'm flying. I'll be in, I'd say, about four hours, four and a half hours from now. I'm going to be in. Four hours from now, I'll be in Lansing. And it's going to be interesting to see what it's like there and what tidbits of information along the way you can pick up. Your station for news, weather, business, and CBS Sports Radio. News Radio 1070 WKOK Sunbury and on WKOK.com.